This is Rachel. I had a really fun experience a few weeks ago during the Bach birthday celebration in downtown LA. I went with my family and we listened to some organ music and uh, various chamber groups, including one that was a, um, a recorder, like a group of recorders that played a bunch of pieces. It was awesome. But while I was there, I met someone really cool. And his name is Fernando Amazorutia. And he just had a really unique story. He came across as someone totally different than anyone that I generally meet at classical events, and I was excited to talk to him. So enjoy. So this is a podcast. So basically what it means is like, um, you know, it's it sort of what used to be the radio show, I feel like, now is the podcast. Oh, okay. People interview people and they, you know, have conversations about interesting topics and and so my podcast um, is called Operation Opera. Well, I, I do it with a friend of mine who's also a soprano, and her name is oh. Lisa Peterson, and she lives in New York, but she wasn't available today um, to chat with us. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, so it's it's all about, for me, um, I like my podcast to sort of be about uncovering things in music that, like, the reasons why we end up doing what we do, and and sort of understanding motivation behind that. And I was just really, you know, I was just really impressed with your uh, story, and I wanted to talk more about that. So um, so you had mentioned, like, so t- tell me again, like, where where did you grow up? Okay, I grew up in uh, East L.A., East Los Angeles, in Ball Heights area of uh, East Los Angeles, and uh, I grew up in uh, government housing projects. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, growing up there was uh, an experience with uh, uh, inner city, of course. You know, ghetto like, but it was a ghetto somewhat. You know, but nice people, good people were there. This was, of course, in the fifties. I was born in '44. Okay. And uh, life there was different than now. You know, it's a lot. There was gangs always in East LA, but compared to now, it was that you know, like you know, machine guns and high powered. Weaponry, you know, those just those days were like, you know, the knives. And, but you know, I wasn't part of that. I was just a kid growing up in that environment. But eventually, I got into the that side. That's a different story. But I got interested in music. My mother signed me up uh, to play the violin in uh, in class in uh, uh, grammar school. What? So well, how it, old were you when you started playing violin? About eight years old. Seven eight. So she so she signed you up. So so violin was offered in school. Yes, at that time, instruments. You know, you, you could uh, uh, learn the instrumental, and uh, uh, there was more subjects, I believe. You know, more than civics and history than it is today. But I think it's more computer uh, oriented, right? I'm not mistaken. But, right. Uh, and uh, so she got uh, signed me up for uh, violin, and I played it for a while, but. I was always getting in sights because I lived in a tough neighborhood, you know, and you call you a sissy, you know. So I just left it alone. I left it. But the instrument itself and the, uh, I would say the uh, 
the atmosphere, the ambiance of the, of the orchestra and the other people, the kids playing, it stood with me. You know, it mm-hmm. kind of refined me at that time, you know, as a young kid, of course. But it me, so, uh, so, so would you, when you say you would leave it, like, would you leave, you're saying like you would leave your instrument at home and then... Oh, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't know so, what I meant. I just left the instrument period. I didn't want to take it anymore. Oh, I see. You know, so, so how yeah, how I, long I just, how long did you play? A semester. Uh huh. A semester. And I started reading some music. It, you know, I taught you the basic skills, of course, and uh, but it, and it was a it was a, a, a experience that lasted me for a lifetime, you know, to right now. But uh, of course, I left it behind, and uh, I got into jazz later on as a teenager. Hmm. 15, 14, 15 years old, my uncle had some jazz albums and I listened to that. So I was into jazz in uh, the late 50s, which a lot of kids were. Rock and roll was out, you know, and I was into rock and roll too, but jazz always, you see that refined note always stood with me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know, I could relate it to classical music. I mean, mm-hmm. I wasn't into classical music, but the instrument gave me a touch of the classicism or uh, classic style. Yeah, totally. No, and and uh, also jazz in the fifties. There was some great stuff happening. Oh well, you know, I, I was in that, and then I sixty uh, two. I joined the Marine Corps, and I always had my jazz albums. I used to carry them with me, and you know, other uh, Marines from other cities would you know ask me, "Where are you from?" You know, and what you did, you learn that, and, you know. But I, I kind of uh, taught a lot of people, or uh, well, say exposed them to jazz. A lot of people that weren't aware of that, but. You're talking about people like Lee Morgan, uh, Coltrane, of course, uh, Miles Davis, of course, uh, Joe Henderson. You see, I like excitement. The superstars were always there. But the guys in the background who, who cut albums, too, were uh, Freddie Hubbard, uh, uh, Dexter Gordon, you know, Wayne mm-hmm. uh, 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 Shorter, uh, uh, Donald Byrd, you know, uh, you know, so... so Whole, a whole list of jazz musicians. Now they're passing away, little by little. But I was into jazz, and it refined me, gave me kind of a classy kind of, uh, uh, I would say, uh, background. Yeah. At the 60s, would... uh, I'm sorry. No, 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 it's fine. No, I was just going to say, um, how do you feel that music, so you, you said that a couple times, you said it sort of refined you. What do you how uh, so? Like, wh- what did music give you? Well, it, it gave me a... Um, an intellectual stimulus, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the the texture, the, the tone, the color, uh, uh, the lines. It's, it's somewhat like a painting. I paint. I do artwork. I, I have a degree in art, and I was, you know, uh, and it kind of lends itself. It was art. It's an art form also. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, but it it, it, uh, it it lends itself to that for me for. When I paint, I put on my albums and I just my music and I listen to that. It gives me kind of a, uh, 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 I would say, well, inspiration is kind of weird, but it gives me kind of a focal point where the colors and texture. It sort of puts you into a certain a certain state, an emotional yes. state. Yes, yeah. uh, uh, an intellectual state. Because, mm-hmm. you know, music reflects you. I mean, you have uh, different, uh, different, uh, I would say, uh, different types of music. For example, when I got came back from the Marine Corps, of course, uh, of course, I say of course because it was that time, like the 60s, late 60s, mm-hmm. middle 60s. 
uh, late 60s. And uh, I got a Marine Corps in 67. And the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, the Doors, uh, uh, you know, you, you name it. Yeah. And, on and, on. and uh, they were out. And of course, that was the hippie generation or the acid generation. Mm-hmm. And I jumped right from the pot to the frying pan. Vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, coming back from Vietnam, me coming back to Vietnam, it was, uh, I went twice to Vietnam, two tours. Wow. And that was a mess. That was kind of a mess. I didn't, I didn't know this. I didn't know this until. I got uh, psychologically evaluated for some evaluated for some uh, benefits, and uh, you know I lived I I worked in in society and raised a family, but I had always had this uh, it was a, a, a trauma I would say you know that was in back of uh, back of my uh, we call the mind but your core <laughs> your mind your head you know and, sure uh, but but what happened really I'm. You know, I'm saying this because it uh, it, uh, it was part of my makeup as a person. Uh, uh, when Iraq, the invasion of Iraq happened, it brought that trauma back. Hmm. It opened up a new kind of, uh, uh, I'll say trauma, you know, uh, that I envisioned before when I was there. But going back to the music, you know that I was was uh, I was I went back to the music and when I went out in the after that uh, of course the acid rock and uh, which was quite beautiful and quite uh, profound and open mind uh, opened your mind to a lot of different uh, inventions and dimensions I will say but uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, that was that was part of the uh, process my process as far as music but jazz always stood to me as a foundation a classical was actually you know uh, the pillars of, of music for me. Uh, yeah, and I I remember when we um when we met at the Bach and the Subway um you know birthday celebration you had mentioned that Bach is your favorite classical composer and um you'd mentioned you know playing the violin and and uh what Bach meant to you what do you suppose I mean because you've talked a lot about jazz and how that influenced you I feel like you know the ultimate improviser is Bach do you know what I mean Yes uh-huh. Well, you, 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 uh, you know, I have to, I have to say that Bach, when I, I took a couple, uh, I took, uh, the way I got connected again to classical music was that I took a, a couple of courses in classical music, Western, uh, music, classical music in, uh, Cal State LA. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was working on a bachelor's there. And I got back, back into it and I got reconnected rather. And, uh, Bach was, of course, the, uh, one of the basis of uh, classical music, and uh, but I, I love Handel as well. I, uh-huh. I love Handel, and I love the Baroque period. I think, well, for me, the Baroque period is my favorite period. Uh, of course, you have the Romantic period and the Modernist and all that, but you know uh, uh, Mozart and Haydn and Beethoven and the rest, you know, of the, of the, of the pillars of classical music. But the Baroque period. I don't know, signifies a time when, uh, of course, it came out of the uh, 15th, 16th century and uh, started refining the, the music, the Baroque, Baroque style, as far as Baroque style. And uh, more instruments were included, I believe, right? Sure, absolutely. There were a lot more instruments. There's a lot of variety that sort of started. And mm-hmm. I think, I, I, I feel like... 
even with that explosion of instrumentation, the uh, the amount that the instruments could do was fairly limited. And so I feel like one of the reasons why we have such pieces with, you know, such embellishment as the Baroque period has is because of the limitations of the instrument. You know, you have to do a lot of repeated notes in order to be able to have a sustained tone, you know, or why so much was written with the organ was because that was, you know, one of the few instruments where you could have, you know, these sustained long lines, um, yes. you know, in the different voices and voicings. But and um, the harpsichord. Mm-hmm. And the harpsichord as well, you know, and, and it's, uh, it, uh, uh well, to me, it was kind of, well, of course, it was an aristocratic, uh, it was a music for the aristocrats, you know, uh, and church, as well as for Bach, and more for the church. But it became aristocratic in the sense that, uh, the rich people, or the people, wealthy people could afford a, uh, chamber music group, right? Am I correct about that? Right, 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 yeah. absolutely. You know, in and, order to uh, have, a- you have to pay him. <laughs> yeah, right. You pay him, and then uh, I have to say that I bring the story up of the the water music, for example. That's a good example. And the three barges of uh, I think it was George. The, I forget his what number it was. George King George uh, had the uh, the water music. You know the barges on the Thames. You know hmm. the story behind that? You know I don't. I've that? never heard that story. Okay. Okay. It was. Uh, 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 King George wished for Handel to write some music for him for uh, a group of uh, dignitaries, aristocrats, so on. So he wrote this water music, which if you if you check it out, it's uh, it's, uh, it's about an hour, maybe longer, uh, different parts to it. And uh, he had three barges. Two barges were musicians, and one barge was with the king and and the uh, aristocrats, dignitaries. Mm-hmm. And they floated down the Thames. Of course, the, the common man was on the side uh, of the banks listening to the music. And it was so beautiful, commenting on that, that George, King George wanted to go back three times. They went back and forth <laughs> and played the water music. And, uh, on the water. It, it's, it's quite, it's, it's, if, you, if you listen to the water music, if you listen to it, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's quite beautiful. It's quite beautiful. And, yeah, and then yeah. Bach, Bach and Handel were contemporaries, but Handel was connected to the, to the royalty of England. And of course, right. as you mentioned, we talked that Bach was uh, this, uh, played in his local town and uh, really never left that town much for, that much of a difference, right. anyway. That's, right, absolutely. Uh, I have to interject something. You know, Immanuel Kant, the philosopher, you know, the Kant, the, Kant, the sure. philosopher, you know, he, he never ventured, uh, ventured more than 80 miles in Germany along the circle, and he had all these philosophical ideas. Mm-hmm. He developed all these circles. You know, it's strange, but I mean, I'm just saying that, that even though he didn't travel, Bach had uh, all these this music that he had. Uh, yeah, wrote about, composed. Yeah, and that's an interesting idea, isn't it? <laughs> to think about, like, what is it that, you know, what is it that qualifies a person to write something that can be profound? Like, is it is it because of the journeys that we've been on, or is it because of the journey within ourselves that we've been on? You know, I I, I think about that. Like, mm. do you? you do you have to venture or do you have to venture within yourself? And sometimes that requires you to leave a place, but 
but sometimes it doesn't. It just requires, um, you know, a stillness and a willingness to listen. That's very interesting. Uh, you mentioned that because, of course, uh, in Bach's case, he was a genius. So even if he didn't, even if uh, he didn't leave his town or whatever, he he wrote uh, music that's universal. You know, and yeah. that's pro- pretty. That's really profound. You know, when you think about it, you know that he never really left. He never traveled much, but he wrote this music that's universal. You know, it's just 332 uh, years we celebrated, and uh, you know, it's just amazing. But I should interject something else that about the Baroque period. But my favorite, uh, I know the, I mentioned Baroque my favorite period, but also I have to I have to mention the Italian Baroque. When mm-hmm. I mention the Italian Baroque, I have names like Albinoni, uh, Vivaldi, Marcello, Torelli, Corelli, Scarlatti, and so forth. And they just, they're flourishing of their classical uh, you know, their, their style is is is, is pretty unique. I, I love the, the Italian Baroque. And I, Absolutely. Yeah, but it's just oh, but I just I just you know it makes you it makes you actually when you're at the dinner table and you put on a Bach or any of the music I'm mentioning, you're in royalty. You're a king mm-hmm. in your own domain. Isn't that amazing? You think about it. You'd be as humble as place you could be, and have dinner or breakfast or whatever, you know, and you're just in the king's presence of like, uh, your royalty at that moment anyway. That's such a really beautiful idea. It's, it's, this, it's this idea that because you yourself have been able to afford the, um, you know, the accompanying <laughs> um, chamber ensemble or, you know, orchestra or whatever within the walls of your own home, you are royalty. Right. It's it's you are experiencing the the entertainment of the kings of that day. Correct. Correct. That was thinking about that one day. And, and you know, I, I put it on for my one of my children, my wife, my uh, whoever's around, whoever wants. But, you know, it's like some people, of course, they can't uh, they can't uh, understand it, maybe. Or they're not. Re- it's a refining process. Is that, I'm going back to that refining process because. As a, as a child, it refined me, and then of course I got uh, lost in the sh- uh, shuffle of society at that time, growing up in the in the uh, where I grew up at. But the refinement still, some of it still stood in me, and then it just came back again when I went to uh, college, and I just uh, tapped into it again, and uh, it just brought that out again. But uh, the refine it, it refines you and it, it, it intellectualizes you. You know your your brain is function. You like you say you have different uh, your ideals are um, heightened. Your uh, psychology is heightened, and uh, therefore it uh, it makes you. Uh, I think it just refines you. That's the word I could use. Best word I could use right now. Yeah, it's a it, it's interesting too because when you talk about this idea of a refining process, like. Um, I think we had we had mentioned this in that conversation that we had. We, we were talking about how the brain is on music, right? Um, there's, you know, they they can do these sophisticated MRIs now and CAT scans with machinery that can really actually show, you know, what's happening within the brain. One, when you're listening to music, but then two, when you're actually playing an instrument and how playing an instrument is like a whole body workout or a whole brain workout. 
it's um you know it uses different synapses in a way that um that is completely unique to any other kind of activity and and that that you know can be a refining process and it's interesting because refining like it can kind of have two meanings and and you know one of the meanings is is sort of like this you know people assume is an elitist thing it's like you know oh it's so refined oh it's so other oh it's so you know separate but i i also think the other you know sort of definition of being refined is sort of the stripping away you know taking away of the things that are excess until you become you know more holy what you are um and i think that that you know that music can be sort of a gateway to to that process and something that you mentioned you were talking about bach and you know i i always i always just thought it was so beautiful um that you know in in so i went to manhattan school of music and uh, while I was there, you know, I have pr- probably most of my professors are, are rather fairly, you know, atheistic. Is that, a, is that how you say it? Like mostly atheist. And a lot of the composers and, and classmates, you know, were, you know, maybe some people believed in God and some didn't. But I, I feel that it's so interesting that Bach, who wrote everything to the glory of God, um, is still seen as sort of the epitome of of composition. Like, this is the guy. And I, I just I just think that that's interesting. That's beautiful stated the way you stated that. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because when I was uh, at the at the, um, you know, the Union Station there listening to music, I was li- looking at the musicians and I was mm-hmm. looking at their uh, their part into it, they're putting there. And then I I talked to some of them and I said, "How did you feel playing to us? You know, to us meaning the public and." Uh, uh, one lady said, you know, I just, one lady said, well, she said, she said uh, I feel just as good. Just, I just feel that I'm giving you something, or uh, I'm paraphrasing, you know, mm. I'm giving you sure. something, and then uh, and, and, and I'm, uh, I'm taking, it's a taking deal. You know, I'm taking your vibes and giving my vibes back to you with the music. You mm. know, and, uh, you know it was, I'm just paraphrasing. That's not exactly what she said, but... That's what I got out of the cross out of the conversation that she talked about, and uh, that was one person. And uh, and uh, well, one thing it's a physical part and it's a mental part to it. You know, the the instrument itself. And uh, uh, do you play an instrument, Rachel? I do. I play the cello, uh, and I play oh, a little cool. bit of piano. Wow, the cello! So I would say. Uh, uh, I would say I would uh, melancholy sometimes, you know. Absolutely, I love no. I call it the, my therapy me- instrument. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, it's I a, a melancholy. To like work through something. <laughs> I would call it a melancholy bliss. Yes, yeah. No, that's that a, really a beautiful way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, a melancholy bliss. A, a melancholy bliss. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and Bach has a lot of shells uh, in his music. Shells, Absolutely. You know? Yes, and with the. Uh, I love the, uh, also the other instrument is the, uh, the, the oboe, the oboe. Mm-hmm. I love the oboe. I love the oboe. Oh, the oboe. But, no, the, it's such, uh, a, it's such a crapshoot, though. You can either sound amazing or like a duck, I feel like. That's true. You know? That's true. No, you gotta be up to be a master of your instrument. No, but all the instruments have their own, uh, their own, uh, place. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, no, I was at, uh, I was going back to that lady, and, or and she commented that she was, no, it's a give and take. I just feel you, uh, feel all the audience, and I, 
you know, give me, you give me. I wouldn't say energy, but it was somewhat like that, you know. Sure, I think that that's very true. You know, as a performer, I can say that, you know, what what you you give, and there's give and take, right? There, and this is mm-hmm. what makes live performance so unique is that every single time it's different. I mean, no matter what, you know, whether you're in a studio or you're in a live um, concert hall, every single time you perform, it's going to be different. But there is a, you know, there is a conversation that has to take place between the audience and the performer. Otherwise, why are you there? You know, why, why, you know, why bother? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But when you can have that conversation and you do feel like you were mentioning the energy of the audience and the engagement and the desire to be uplifted, you know, or the desire to be changed um, in some way, um, when that can be achieved um, or even just sought after, you know, the, the, the results I think can be kind of incredible. Uh-huh. No, I agree. And uh, another, uh, uh, what I, other, uh, what I observed as well was that how civilized people were. You know, it brings mm-hmm. you together as a civilization, you know, as a civilized people. You know, so, you know can you, yeah, absolutely. You know? Because we were in a very busy train station, right? We were in Union yes. Station, which which is you know people coming and going, even though it's L.A. Uh-huh. So, you know, yes. most people are driving, but still. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, and there was there was sort of a calm kind of a peacefulness about about you know that where we were, and the interaction between people, civil you know their their conversations it brings out an, an intellectual uh, intellectual uh, uh, what's the stimulus. Hmm. You see, yeah. that's what I mentioned. An intellectual stimulus it it, it, uh, it not necessarily leaders, but it refines your your your, your mood. And your and and your uh, the ambiance is such that it brings out a absolutely time, you know? yeah, yeah and that's what that's what I, think, what I noticed. I think there's been more and more research about you know what you know. I mean, people talk about you know what we take into our bodies affects you know sort of what we end up like you know putting out into the world, and that's you know physically you know as far as like what we consume. But it's not just consumption, you know, you know through eating or whatever, but it's also consumption, you know, through what we see and what we listen to and, and it, and it shapes who we are. So it's, you know, the question then comes like, well, what, what are we consuming? You know, what are we, and then therefore, what are we, what are we then reflecting out into the world? You know, that's interesting you mentioned that because, you know, uh, you know, you're a young person and uh, I'm an old person, but I look at the youth today and I, you know, as an older person, I would come from a different time, but I'm living in this time as well. I'm well, obviously I'm living here now with the uh, with the uh, technology today, and I see people. You know, I don't know if it's me or I just look at that and I see people just they're not interacting. I mean, they're interacting with their their their, their uh, I would say the technology they have, you know, their phones or whatever, you know. They're not inter- interacting as much as, especially the younger people. You know, I see yeah. them coming to school and they're looking at their phones, and two, you know, they're, they're, they're two friends walking or two buddies or two girls, and they're both looking at their phones. But yeah, they're, they're not, not talking even, to each other. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I just, and it's like an addiction. It's scary yeah. to me as an older person, it's scary, because we're losing that touch of humanity, which is uh, interaction. And the uh, music connects us to that, 
And uh, I don't know, a lot, a lot of young people, you have people, of course, uh, impressionados that play the music, you know, young people who are exposed to that. But for the most part, they're not exposed to that music. Do you, you feel know, and, like if they were exposed to that music more, like if, if if more people had an experience the way that you had an experience at eight years old of being mm-hmm. introduced to an instrument and to a style of music that, you know, stimulated your brain in a very, um, you know, in a very sort of real way, um, do you think that maybe those, you know, that lack of connection could change? Oh, of course. I think I think that's that's the lacking in, in, in uh in our educational system, the arts yeah. have cut back. You know, I mean, uh, art, music, uh, painting, art, it's been cut back. And, yeah, and, and art, and, and as I remember, uh, an instructor in college said, art, without art, a civilized world is, is really, uh, I won't say doomed, but there, there, there's, well, what joy is, I mean, you know, you have no uh, yeah. uh, intellectual exercise of, of, of beauty. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and no, that's the problem. Yeah, that's absolutely. the problem with the educational system right now. They cut back so much art, like even recently, the fifty-four billion dollars uh, uh, given to the military pay raise there has cut back a lot of programs. You know, that, uh, social programs. Yeah, absolutely. You know, no, I think know, about. Yeah, I think I think about that. About you know, going back to what you were talking about with young people today. From what I understand, I've heard that that a lot of young people experience social anxiety, like they have real anxiety about, you know, interacting with people and, you know, having conversations where they're not able to sort of weigh what they want to say prior to, you know, responding, like like the art of conversation, right? Um, that that's something that's really frightening for people uh, that are sort of growing up now because because they haven't used those muscles, you know, they've used the muscles exactly. of their fingers to, you know, sort of type out an answer, you know, after sort of weighing the pros and cons, you know, versus like having to sort of have developed a, a faster response and to just speaking, you know, what – and sometimes just speaking what you think in that moment, I think that's something that, that people are, you know, doing less and less or or the opposite, you know, they're doing it so much that it's just, you know, uh, unconscionable. But um, I – I do think um, I do think it's interesting that you that, that you know your assertion about you know what music as far as like an art in general like what giving giving people tools to express themselves through art what that could mean for the shaping of a generation. Ah, you know it's interesting you mentioned that because um, I had a conversation with a friend years ago, and then he, he mentioned that some people are artists and some people are technicians. The technicians mm-hmm. part are just, I would say robots, but they're the, uh, uh, the workers that just do the technical part. The artists are the ones who discover and create things. And you can be an artist in any field, is my point. Absolutely. But, but you can point be a technical that, artist. <laughs> yeah, but, you, but, but, you, but you the know. point is that, but uh, we've, we've raised a generation of technicians. You know, right now there's so many technicians to one artist, for example. You know, right. in other words, they're all they're all hooked up, but they're hooked up to the same thing. You know, the, crea- the creativity is kind of uh, put a back seat. Not all. I'm not saying I'm not general. I'm, I'm generalizing, of course, but what I'm saying is that uh, 
And I see that, that technology has helped. It's a great thing. It's a great tool. I have no doubt about that. Uh, no doubt about technology is a great tool. But you can misuse anything. You mis- misuse anything. It's like uh, too much of anything is bad. Even if you have too much candy, you get candy. Too much of anything is bad. Definitely. And, uh, Definitely. And that, there has to be. And that's a, yeah, and that's a strange, uh, 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 you know, uh, element we have today that, you know, it's, uh, we're hooked up, but we're not. We're hooked up, but not hooked up. <laughs> we're hooked up, but you we're know? not actually connecting. Yeah. Connecting. That's the word I wanted to use. Right. Exactly. Fernando, thank you so much for... Oh, so thank you. Me. You made my day. Actually, you are... Oh. Uh, somebody, somebody cares. I'll put it that way. Somebody always. cares. And it's always it's always enlightening that I hear, I hear some uh, voice in the wilderness there. <laughs> <laughs>